Welcome, welcome, listeners. If you're looking for pen and paper capers, you're in the right section. Give me some That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, scribes and scribblers, I believe, is the usual catchphrase that we go with. Uh, welcome back to the Nib Section, official podcast of Fountain Pens Oceania. This is our 24th episode, our anniversary episode. Uh, Woohoo! Yeah, I think that <laughs> now means you can listen to one of our episodes for every hour of the day, if you so choose to. Uh, I'm joined by our regular uh, returning hosts. Uh, you definitely have heard them on other episodes. Uh, regular hosts and the surviving producers. The surviving <laughs> producer. um, so first up, we have uh, we have uh, fearless leader Dan Dai. Welcome, welcome. Hello, Chuck. And uh, Sharon's uh, our uh, generous benefactor, as always. Hello. But uh, can I point out on your 24 episodes point, yep. I don't think all of them are less than one hour long, so I'm not sure that you can get through all of them. No, I was But just, we had was, some extra episodes as well, so I, was I thinking think that they fill in the, the gaps. Way. So some of them are more than an hour and some of them are less than, so maybe we, we pad out. Yeah. <laughs> that um, should be a, an annual challenge, just listen to the 24 hours <laughs> as a marathon. Ooh, I, I might be busy on that. <laughs> Uh, I may have other plans. Yeah. <laughs> um, what are we writing with today? Uh, I'll get uh, I'll get Diana to say. I'm going to get mine out of my my case. Oh, okay. Um, this is an oldie, but a goodie. This is my Montblanc one four six with an extra fine nib. It's the regular black Meisterstück with uh, rose gold trim, which is the defining feature of it. Uh, the rose gold trim, I think, was introduced as a limited edition to begin with for the 90th anniversary, and then they made it um, a staple. It became part of the regular line. It's it's a regular Mont Blanc, you know, cigar-shaped pen, but the nib is absolutely superb. It was getting neglected, and thought I decided to ink it recently, and I just fell in love with the nib again. Um, the EF is really wet, very responsive, and it has this slightly architect um, grind to it, which lends a lot of character to my printing and running writing. You should stick it in a custom. Do you have no design? Oh, maybe. Yeah. Um, I think I would need the larger nib, maybe from a 149. Right, right. Um, and stick that in a custom or maybe um, like a conid. Yeah, yeah. That's something Could be interesting. to think about. Hmm. What about you, Sharon? What are you writing with today? So I'm writing with a Pelican M400 in the White Tortoise. Mm -hmm. And this was actually my first ever gold nib pen that I bought X number of years ago, where X is probably a larger number than I care to admit. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's a fantastic pen. I remember back when these were first launched in 2004, 2003. And this particular pen, even though I say it's my first ever pen, has been entirely replaced from nib to cap to body because the first, uh, this was one of the original batches of the M400s and the original batches, um, they hadn't gotten the white um, acrylic down pat. So it had a tendency to crack whenever you twisted um, 
you twisted it closed. So you used to crack around the cap bands. Sometimes it would just shatter altogether. Um, and so, yeah, this one developed a pretty severe crack in the cap. It also developed a crack near the grip section um, and I think a crack at the back as well. So Pelican back then, they acknowledged that this was a manufacturing fault of theirs. And so they were offering replacements for the entire body um, of this pen. So this pen has actually gone through two bodies now. So free replacements. Free replacements. Oh, it's a real, real ship of Theseus situation. <laughs> Is it still the same pen once you replaced all the parts of it? Well... That's a very deep question. It did originally have a fine nib on it, but I've switched it out to an extra fine nib as well. So in spirit, this was yeah. my first ever gold nib pen. Um, in practice, this is like pretty much a brand new pen. Yeah. <laughs> Back in the day, we used to call it the white honey rather than um, the white tortoise. Yeah. I think its original promotional name was the white honey. Uh, I am running with today uh, a relatively recent uh, trade. Um, I have a Nakaya Decapod in Akatamanuri. We've been eyeing that for a couple of weeks now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've I, I brought it around, but I haven't mentioned it on the show. Um, it has a, a monotone music nib, and I swapped it for my Nakai that I had in the polished shoe, which I originally got so that I could get a Decapod for a more for a more significant occasion. Uh, and I've decided that that occasion is the swap. Um, so I, <laughs> I, I have this, and I have the one that I originally wanted, um, and I have some um, Yamabudo in it, and it's pretty great. It's probably the best music name I've used. I like that it's more uh, rigid and uh, less. it's got less bounce than some of the other music nibs I've used. Yeah, I think the stiffer music nibs, they tend to not flay as much and yeah. they give more even flow. Yeah, I think that bounce is nice in a two-tone, but when it goes to three-tone, it mm. becomes problematic. But uh, I, I thoroughly approve of the Decapod over the Naka Eye. Yeah. No, the, <laughs> well, look, the other, the other two hosts here uh, have, have not, been, uh, not been fans of the... <laughs> Of the aesthetic of the Nakai, but uh, I was. But uh, I mean, at the end of the day, the Nakai was a placeholder uh, mm. because I, I originally did want a decapod, potentially a twist. But uh, here we are. Um, Do approve of the decapod. Mm -hmm. Approve even more of the decapod twist. The only thing about the decapod twist that bugs me is that out of the four positions, only one will get you to an even twist. Oh, that's frustrating. Whereas the decapod, two out of the four, will get you to um, okay. correct alignment. All right. That's frustrating. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, well, let's go to a mailbag and review section to start off this uh, anniversary episode. Uh, do you want to take this first one, Sharon? Yep, sure. So first one comes from Randy from Alaska. Um, who says, congratulations on your first anniversary. I've been listening since the beginning. You've made great progress on the technical side, and I really enjoy the show. Keep up the great work. Looking forward to the next episode. Thank you, Randy. We have really enjoyed making all of these episodes and hope that you'll continue to listen to us. Okay. Uh, next one. From, I want to read this one. Oh, you want to read this one? Uh, let's see what's going uh, okay, second review. Um, it's a revised review on iTunes from HLW the third, um, who revised his review from a five star to a one star review, and uh, they said. 
Uh, I originally loved this podcast until dot dot dot. One of the hosts ranted about being non-politically correct about how a pen was advertised. In brackets for women, spelt W O M M E N, etc. Then the same person went on another rant about how it was unacceptable for a private company to advertise to a pen for women. This PC person ruined this show for me. No. Now, people seem to need to voice their political opinions at everyone when no one cares. A company can advertise how it wants. Don't like it, then don't buy it. But stop with the PC lectures. Okay, H L W the third. Um, I'm going to assume you're a gentleman because no lady labels themselves the third. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a whole conversation about that as well. But <laughs> unless you're like Elizabeth the second. Yep. yep. Um, you are perfectly within your rights to voice your opinion, and so are we, um, to give our political opinions or non-political opinions as they may be. And you're free to listen or not listen as you so wish. Um, I find it very difficult to separate my political opinions from my other opinions. And even though I wasn't the person who was bringing up the topic about, uh, I think it was Conid, is the episode you're referring to I'm when we were sure. we actually I'm don't sure all know. three of us weighed in on, uh, I, on that. So definitely Chuck and I weighed in and I thought this comment may have been directed to me because I, I did have a go at it. And I thought it was Mark who brought it up. Oh, no, Chuck brought it up. Okay. Yeah. So basically we're all into the devil's pit here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know who you're talking about. We'll take it on the chin. Um, yeah. I don't think what I was expressing, at least in the particular episode, which was around Mont Blanc and their marketing and marketing more generally for pens, I don't particularly think it was a political opinion. It was merely um, I don't like their marketing and I felt that it was uh, quite restrictive in terms of the audience that they had targeted. I didn't need a pen targeted towards women. Hey, uh, we've all seen the Pelican M600 pink edition. I think Pelican did very well with that one where they did say it was brought out for Mother's Day but it was not a mother's pen. Not exclusively Not exclusively a mother's pen, but, you know, that was very obviously a pink pen. The marketing on the Koenig pen... Um, it was a pen for men. Let's be precise. They didn't actually bring out. They did. Yep. Yeah, it was a pen for gentlemen. In the ad, we, we talked about fedoras. <laughs> the fedora <laughs> section. And they, it, despite saying that they were going to bring out a pen for women, they never actually they did. Have not. No. They have not. So they've retracted that statement. Yep. And and I think our comments were more generally about you know don't offend your customers. Hmm. I'm I'm happy to double down on mine. Um, <laughs> Whatever uh, you said, yeah, I don't remember yeah, what I'm you said. I'm happy to double down on mine. Um, I mean, politics is about people, and the people that usually say keep politics out of it are the people who will be fine no matter what kind of politics are at play. You're not hurt by it, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I, I do think that the, the people that are more susceptible to politics uh, and particularly at the core of, uh, you know, political hot-button topics are the ones that are more vocal about it because it affects them. Hmm. And I think if you are listening to a, a show about... Uh, a show talk about pens marketed towards uh, women and two women on the show present their opinions about that, maybe you should listen for a little bit. <laughs> let's, let's go into our third uh, item on the mailbag uh, from Jonathan May. I'm a collector of fountain pens, ballpoints, rollerballs, and mechanical pencils from the 1960s to 1990s and specialize in sets of pens from manufacturers of that period. All my sets are used on a daily basis at home and at work with fountain pens for private use, Ballpoints and rollerballs for customers to sign paperwork. 
The most popular rollerball with customers is a Rotring 600, which leads to confusion with millennials that a pen can be older than they are. <laughs> collecting from this period does not have to be expensive if you are patient with your collecting, and the most I've paid for a pen is 250 Australian dollars. This allows me a wide range of fountain pens, ballpoints, and mechanical pencils to explore and use from the different manufacturers. The nib section is always producing an interesting podcast with varied topics, including views from the steel nib demon. I don't know who he's talking about there. Don't know either. It could be Patrick or it could be... Um, it could be Patrick or it could be Max. Yeah, not sure. Um, as, as I've said, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've spoken pretty highly of the, uh, the FC uh, steel, steel nibs. Yeah. Uh, anyway, my question for your anniversary podcast Q&A is what TV show or TV series would an outsider view to get that true blue Australian experience? Here are some of the TV shows I've watched. Sea Change, Prisoner Cell Block H... Jack Irish, The Code, The Heart Guy, Rumper Stumper, just to mention a few. Thanks, John. P.S. National Ballpoint Day in the USA was the 10th of June. Guys. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Jonathan. <laughs> yeah, let, let's, let's there. Uh, lots, of, lots of backstory. Uh, over to the, uh, before we get to the question, actually, the most I paid for a pen is 250 Australian dollars. I would love to have said that. Uh, <laughs> I can't say that anymore. Actually, um, didn't Brian say very recently that the most he's paid for a pen was $300 for um, an Omas Milord? Oh, lies. <laughs> you think so? Lies. Lies. I mean, the giraffe by itself. Yeah. The oh, giraffe that's true. Itself, How much is the giraffe? The giraffe comes out to like a K. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. you bought that for novelty's sake. <laughs> Uh, um, so for the which TV show gives you that true blue Australian experience oh I have to say I haven't watched a lot of um, local shows Australian produced shows since gosh um, when did we sign that trade agreement with the US which let them flood our market with um, American made television but um, recently I've been watching a bit of uh, I think it's called Wentworth um, the show about uh, women's prisons yep and also really good is um, a show that John Jonathan May mentioned, which is The Code. Um, the Code, I think there's been two seasons of it. It's set in Canberra, a city that very few people outside of Australia actually know about. Um, it's our <laughs> capital city. And not yet, Sydney. <laughs> Sydney is not the it capital. It is literally a city established because <laughs> Melbourne and Sydney had a fight. Could not agree. Yeah, could not agree. So they, they stuck a pin on the map midway between Melbourne and Sydney and decided to go with the capital there. Um, they built a hill too, the capital hill. And a lake. And a lake. Lake Valley Griffith. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a city with a great amount of parkland and roundabouts, but it's not a great city to drive in. Um, I know it's a great city to drive in. If you don't want to get anywhere. I know, I know a lot of people that have moved there and so like, like prefer it over either city. But now they're saying that rent there is like um, as highest. expensive as Sydney. Yes, it's, it's the highest... Uh, Let's not bag on Canberra anymore. Okay, I started that. I'm sorry. <laughs> but <laughs> the code we is... well entitled to opinion. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So the code is set in Canberra. It's, um, it's an Australian written and produced show, but it was modelled very clearly on American espionage miniseries dramas um, of the post-9-11 era. And it's like very zappy and it's got these quick cuts and um, very attractive cast, um, interesting storyline. Um, it's like a limited series. And it's just a very good, well-made production that shows you that political 
life that a lot of us don't really get to see much of on t- television. It's like um, House of Cards in Australia. Yeah. So I didn't mind Offspring. I've never seen that. I didn't. My ex watched a lot of Offspring, and I was kind of in the room for a lot of it. And you know, and it's like you just watch a TV show by osmosis, and then you start to. I, I thought uh, osmosis. Uh, I thought osmosis. Um, <laughs> no, I thought Offspring was um, was pretty enjoyable. Um, it's uh, an Australian show. I think it's out of Melbourne, and it's about a. Was would she be a, a? She's not a gynae doctor. She's a. I should know this. I'm not. I'm not a medical <laughs> You've watched this biosynthesis. Uh, anyway, uh, she she uh, is a doctor in a maternity ward, and it's it's pretty well done. I would kind of like cite it as gender flipped Scrubs. Oh, so comedic. There, there is like there is like daydream elements as well. It's it's pretty entertaining. So that's my recommendation if you don't want to watch Blue Healers or Water Rats. <laughs> <laughs> so, I I don't watch all. Um, that much Australian flavoured TV, to be fair. But um, I happen to really like MasterChef, which started in Australia before it went worldwide. I did not know that. Uh, Yes, Australia celebrated its 10th anniversary of MasterChef and it started, originated here. First season when Poe and that (laughs) other lady, I I think her name, Poe Ling, and that other lady, Rosie, was it Rosie? No, I don't remember. I don't, I don't well, Poe, we remember Poe because yep. she did um, amazing fusion food. Yep. So MasterChef, I don't think that's particularly Aussie, but it it is one of our prides and joys, um, <laughs> one of our major exports. 100 of the <laughs> um, Then another one is, was this very short series called Secrets and Lies. It was, a, I think it was six episodes, and that was a very good Aussie TV show as well, which we also exported to the US. The US version stars Ryan Felipe. Oh, wow. So this is like from the 90s or? No, 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 no. It's only a couple of years ago. Really? Maybe five years ago. Uh, Ryan Felipe is still acting? Uh, he's acting as a dad now, but yeah. not like Sebastian from Dangerous Liaison. <laughs> not Dangerous Liaison, it's Cruel Intentions. And then the other one, which... I think what we haven't mentioned yet is Underbelly. Back in 2008. Oh, that's really good. Everyone was talking about it, and that was around uh, the Melbourne gangs and Underworld. But there's multiple series of that set in different time periods. The original one, Underbelly, the original one, which aired in, like, February 2008. Mm. It's like um, Peaky Blinders, but the Australian version, Mm. kind of. Okay. So, one year of the nib section. Is it is it like a year? Did we Pretty much. Um, so, we're we we're a, recording this We're recording this on the twen- on the 15th of July and it will be our one year anniversary at the end of July or okay. early August. Uh, okay. Well, so it has been a year. Yeah, it's it's been interesting. It's been odd because I have done music for ages and there are 100% more downloads of this than there are of my music. So there are more people that know me for talking about fountain pens than for, than for my creative output. Um, How does that make you feel? Oh, you know, grand. <laughs> so more people know you for your fountain pen puns yep. than for your bass guitar skills. Look, you gotta, you got to go where you go. Chuck, I feel like you haven't utilised your platform on the podcast <laughs> appropriately. So next episode, you will have a little jingle played by Chuck, right? Yeah. 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 My, my plugs will now only be shameless, shameless <laughs> plugs. I think you need to record um, like a new title theme for us. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll click I think you it. just volunteered yourself. I'll click yourself. in it, I'll wear a tuxedo, it'll be a whole Michael Bublé thing. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm just relieved that we no longer get comments about how bad our audio is. Like, I'm not saying that it's perfect, but um, I'm glad that the content outweighs you know, the comments about the audio now. Some of those early episodes, it was... It was pretty rough. Yeah. I can't listen to them anymore. Yeah. No, it, mm. it, it was it was very rough around the edges and uh, tinny in the background. and um, But here we are. Here, here we are. We're, <laughs> We've settled we're, into a bit of a groove. We're on the 15th floor. <laughs> in a closed-off room with no windows, no ventilation, <laughs> no nothing. One day soon, we'll have dogs, we'll have wine, we'll have yes. a view, hopefully. Yes. yes. Watch yes. this space. I'm moving very soon. We're looking forward to no that. no one in the world knew. <laughs> I think everyone in the world probably knows. I am moving very soon. We're all very anxious to hear about <laughs> the new place. And my new place will be our new recording setup. Uh, I cannot yes. wait for Lemon to meet your dog. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Okay. Uh, well, so we have had some questions uh, funneled to us from listeners. Uh, which we'll, we'll go around the uh, table and uh, take some turns on. Yes. So, um, yeah, our lovely listeners, I, I put out a request for questions and um, I got them from all directions, from Instagram, from Facebook, from email. Um, and I also got a recording, which you will have heard, I think, um, at the beginning of this episode, once I edited into the beginning of the episode. <laughs> By the power of magic. By the power of magic, yeah. Mm. You we'll will. We'll <laughs> um, Back to the studio. So, well, let's, let's, let's start. So, the first question from uh, Belkumtu. Uh, how did you all meet and decide to make a pen cast? I like that. I like pen cast. Ooh, a I pen cast. Pen cast. I like that, too. Yeah. Maybe we should change it. Instead <laughs> yeah, of a yeah, podcast, yeah. we're now a pen cast. A pen cast. Um, the official pen cast of um, Penzo Oceania. How, um, how did we? I, I remember jumping onto the Facebook group and being like, hey, I want to buy a custom 823. Is that a good idea? That <laughs> is literally the, the like first part. Like I, I, I wanted, I think I was trying to decide between that and a 2000. Uh, Lummy 2000. That's, that's what I remember. You got both years. eventually? Yep, eventually. It was, a, it was a journey. I think it was before that even because I sold you one of your first golden pens. It was a sailor progy. You did sell me that sailor. That I think that was a was that a little bit after or it was before you got your A two three. Yeah. Okay. Because I think you'd been around for all of a week or two. Long time lurker. Long time being seven days. Okay, so that's that's um, Chuck's version of events. What's your version of events, Sharon? Let's let's ration them on this. Uh, uh, hey guys, we need a place to record. <laughs> How, how, what do we do? What do we do? Um, I offered up a place to record and then uh, I got asked, do you want to join an episode? And I'm trying to remember for the life of me which episode I joined first. I don't remember either. I can't remember. It felt like a very long time ago. It was a while ago. Yeah. It was last year. Okay. Um, my version of events. So Fountain Pen Oceania was created in July um, of last year. And around the same time, we kicked off the podcast. And that was because, you know, there was this flurry of energy about creating this new Facebook group. Um, we've been thinking about producing a podcast for a couple of years now, but it never really, really got off the ground. And um, we thought now's the time to do it. And it would be good cross marketing for the Facebook group as well. So I put out. Um, a post on Fountain Pens Oceania. I was like, let's do this, guys. Um, I set myself a deadline. Um, let's do it in the next month. 
um, because otherwise we're just going to let it drag and it's not going to happen. And um, I asked if anyone wanted to be involved and lots of people replied. And Chuck was the only one who had any podcasting experience before. Yeah. So I'm like, I'd never talked to Chuck before. And I'm like, Chuck, you're in this. (laughs) I think I originally only offered to like punch up script and structure it. Yeah. And then when it came out that no one else had done anything before, I was like, ooh, you guys might need some help. Yeah. Thank you, Chuck. <laughs> and um, that's how we started. And our first episode was recorded in um, Marcus Sophia's home with one mic. And now we have potentially six mics. I think we did we three need. episodes and we lost <laughs> and we lost uh, um, all three? Or like, was it? Did we lose it or was it really bad? I'm like not, the audio was really sure. bad. I don't remember. Yeah, you guys had to re-record two episodes. Two, it was it was multiple. I, I, yeah. I, but <laughs> no, my, my yeah, no. teething problem. Yes, uh, we lost the first um, three-hour session that we recorded, and we had to redo it. But actually, it, it worked out better because we were much more comfortable the second go around. Yep. Like it was frustrating at the time, but um, if you thought. Our first episode was rough. You should have listened to it the first go we did of it. Yeah, no, <laughs> rehears- rehearsals. It was, it was good. It's rehearsals. Yeah. I've got a question for all, all of you guys. Mm-hmm. What has been your favourite episode? Uh, Chuck, you go first. Ah, oh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so as far as one of the best episodes that we've made, um, I think the one like for, for a listener – I think we've we did like uh, one of the nib episodes. The comparisons on like gold and steel nibs, I think, mm-hmm. is like really helpful. The um, ink one always gets yeah it gets a lot of listens. When, and when it's jo- very when useful. Joanne dropped by as well and yeah. helped out. Those, those two are really informative. I really like the learning and uh, yeah, I really like the haptics episode. <laughs> Uh, but I ha- like listening back, especially if it's your first episode on the podcast, it can be a bit dry. <laughs> yeah, I like that one. Um, it's very esoteric. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think that's one to start on. No, I think inks and, um, nibs are very approachable. Um, one of my favorite episodes and one I think is, was really fun to do was the episode I recorded with Tav and Ralph Reyes. We did that just over Skype and it was really interesting to talk to someone across the pond and um, get their perspective. And even though I really had no idea what they were talking about half the time, I was able to be that sort of listener and um, really learn a lot from both of them about nibs. So I did go back and just have a look. The Inks episode was my first episode uh-huh. of the podcast. Yeah. So I've had a couple that really uh, stuck out uh, for me. I think just one of the most surreal experiences was the episode we did with Costa where we had a meeting room and it was just piles and piles of OMAS pens, which had never been inked. And they were, like, I think my eyeballs fell out that day and my jaw literally dropped when we went into the room and he unpacked this Nike bag (laughs) full of pen holders and it was just seriously piles of OMAS. I can't express how many OMAS were in the room. It was just piles of OMASs. Um, Almost like a fire hazard. It was a complete fire hazard. Um, So that was a very memorable episode. But my favourite one was the Tokyo episode that I recorded with with Leo Leo Fock. We actually did that one over Skype video. Mm -hmm. And so in between all the pauses, he was just (laughs) Showing. showing me random pens or stuff that was on his desk. And it was a very long episode. Um, we need to bring Leo back. We do need to yeah, bring Leo back. Point. But that was a very fun episode. For do you no. want to read out this next, next question? question? 
Okay, um, Karen. Oh, okay. This is <laughs> this is going to be slightly controversial. So Karen asked us, I would like to know why there is FPO and FPA. I see so many people post exactly the same content to both pages, and it seems odd. You did say on the podcast it was Ask Anything. I don't want to open a can of worms, but I am curious. So for those listeners who aren't in uh, the trenches of the Australian pen um, online community, FPA is Fountain Pens Australia and FPO is Fountain Pens Oceania. The names are similar for a reason. FPA is considerably older, like um, two and a half years or so older. FPO is more recent. We've been around for about a year. And um, FPO was created, well, um, the facts-only version is that FPO was created because it was created by Aidan O'Brien, also from Sydney, because um, we could no longer use FBA to organise our Sydney activities. And so we decided to create our own group where we would actually be able to organise. Um, and that's the only reason that it was created to begin with. And people post in both groups because they're both very active groups in Australia. Does anyone else have anything to add? Uh, I, I, I think, I think I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I was in uh, FPA for all of maybe two weeks. Are you still in FPA? No, um, a, a few of us uh, voluntarily left. <laughs> yeah, so that's what happened, Karen, and we'll just leave it at that. Um, because we still have a lot of friends in FPA. <laughs> okay, <laughs> next question. Um, Brian C., who is uh, Chewbacca, also um, the maker behind Red Dragon Penco. So Brian asked us, is Chuck's name Chuck or Chucks? Um, spelt C-H-U-C-K or C-H-U-C-K-S? So uh, Chucks is a holdover from Dance Days. Chuck spelt C-H-U-X. Yes. Uh, it's a holdover from uh, when I was a dancer, which I, I still am, but that's where it comes from. Um, and everyone had uh, nom de plumes. Everyone had pseudonyms. And ideally, you would not make your own. You were given them. And the one that I was given was Chuck's, uh, spelt exactly like the uh, clean wipes. <laughs> um, and then segueing into uh, my professional life, I didn't want to put my actual government name on my social media so I have it up there as uh, I have it up there as a pseudonym um, derived from the X-Men um, so who from the X-Men? Charles Xavier yeah, yeah. who calls Charles Xavier Chucks? Uh, Wolverine does oh yeah, okay yeah. but um, re- regardless it, any of those is fine um, you'll, I, you'll answer to I all three I will answer to all of those this next one uh, Sandra <laughs> Uh, from BYOB Pen Club, uh, who uh, is kept very up to date uh, on, on my um, on my adventures. Yeah, uh, you guys chat on Discord. Yeah, hey Sandra. Um, her question is: Besides Chucks, who else on the show is single? Chucks, uh, are you still single? Uh, yeah, yeah, I am. Um, I don't. Know <laughs> I'm I don't, not. No. Okay. I am. You are. Okay, Sharon um, is... Uh, Brian is not. Mm-hmm. Brian is Mark married. and Sophie are definitely not. Correct. Um, Aiden and Christina are not. Yep. Who else is single? Jean is married. Jean is married. So, yeah. Uh, Max is single, I think. Yep. Yes? So if you're He's married to Newcastle, his work. If you're in the Newcastle area, he's married to the game. <laughs> a <little bit>. Joanne? <laughs> uh, Joanne is, uh, Joanne is dating one of my best friends, no. uh, whose name is also Joe. Uh, and I used to make fun of them until I dated a girl named Charlie, and then I shot right up. Um, 
Uh, who, who was? I'm, I'm not sure. Ooh. Regulars. Tavit isn't? Tavit is definitely not. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I think that's pretty much it. Mel. Mel is not. Yeah, I think that's pretty much everyone. Mm. Yeah. Most so people. We, we, so not that many people. No. Uh, m- most everyone is a, is a, comes in a set. Uh, <laughs> uh, meanwhile, uh, I'm out here, uh, and every, every weekend... Uh, <laughs> Every, every weekend is like a screening of uh, a Christmas Carol. In, I get three ghosts. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's one I came up with last week, and I'm pretty happy with. Any ghosts of Christmas past? Uh, no, thankfully only of the future and present. I'm good. Um, but <laughs> that's the update. More gain on the uh, BYOB Pen Club Discord channel. How about a shout out for snail mail, pen palling, and letter writing? Ooh. One of my favorite things to do is to write. Um, we, I mean, we have a court of the day thing for uh, Fountain Pens Oceania uh, that we participate in. And I tend to throw those away after I've, I've made them. But if anyone, if I see people that are around after I've written them, I often, you know, send Just them Just a out. memo. Yeah, because I'll throw them out otherwise. Memento. Um, yeah, so. Don't you write I, them in a notebook? Uh, I, it depends. So sometimes I write them in a notebook. Um, and if it's like uh, one that I like, then I get in my feelings about it and I want to write it on TR paper uh, with, with no lines. Yeah, because your quotes of the day are quite, um, they're very attractive. They're very elaborate. colorful, elaborate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, li- I like putting them on, on TR paper. If you see them on line paper, I've gotten real lazy about <laughs> it. Um, but yeah, I miss I, the drawings though. I do, I do. I've thought about the drawings. I, I am running out of fine nibs. To, to draw with uh, is is the problem. Get four cocoonos. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I or at really least should, an, a fine. Should listen to. Uh, do, do you guys do letter writing and pen palling? I don't. No? I used to. I am terrible about it these days. Um, mainly just because I'm short on time. Mm. And also, <laughs> this is going to sound terrible, but Australian <laughs> Post is so goddamn expensive. Yes. <laughs> To try and send a letter overseas, not that I don't think it's worth it, one, I can never be certain as to whether or not it'll get there because, again, my faith in Australia Post is somewhat limited. Um, and then secondly, I just think it's a stupid price that you pay to send something. I may as well send a package. Yeah. And within the country, the price of a letter has gone up like 150% in the last five years. Mm-hmm. So It's, it's now it's- like a dollar something. It's a dollar for the slow version. It's like a dollar fifty if you want it delivered in the next two days, guaranteed. I think, but they keep changing their prices every few months. So who the fuck knows? <laughs> yeah. I, I most of my interactions with Australia Post tend to be uh, the item that you have ordered will not fit in your um, parcel locker box. So you need to come to the post office. The last time I I wrote something that's even remotely close to being a letter is when I think I ship like pens and things to other people in Australia and I I send it with like a little letter oh it might have been when I sent Ralph um my king eagle nib I I, just a little handwritten note I don't really call that a letter because um gosh who was it that posted on FBO recently this manual about how to write a letter I, Uh, I I skipped over most of it but the part I did note was um always use a full sheet of paper don't let it be a half sheet. It makes it seem like you're really stingy with paper. Even if you only write a few lines, write a full sheet of paper for personal correspondences. <laughs> and I don't tend to do that. I use an A5 sheet of Tamari River. Mm. Last time I wrote a full letter, 
would have been probably about four or five years ago. Mm. And it was a very, very long letter. It was a breakup letter. It was very long. <laughs> I think mine would have been in the same time frame. Um, five years ago, I got a handwritten five-page letter from overseas. Uh, was from, it a breakup letter? No, it was from a girl that I was interested in, and so I wrote like uh, I wrote like a six ha one upmanship. I wrote a, I wrote a six page letter back, and then that ended up being a, a lot of effort for for nothing, <laughs> which, which I'll, I'll leave that there. It's it's a memento of you then that she has uh, for. Let's hope she kept it. There. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of hoping she did. All the, all the effort you put into <laughs> writing a six page letter. My writing was bad. Okay. <laughs> I, hopefully it was. I think it. I think it was all Lammy Black, so it's not water, waterproof or anything. Uh, yeah. <laughs> she may have cried a few tears over the contents, mm. and then it would have all washed away. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's That's why it didn't work. I think we'd all like to be able to write more letters. Yes, I think you should. We could make a concerted effort for it. Mm. Let's do that. I've never had a pen pal. I don't think not since high school. I've had. A few. I was I not very good. I don't know what to write to a pen pal. Like W Y D. Send that off. Wait for a response. Mm-hmm. Um, so more Q&A from, from the rest of our uh, listeners. From Leo, why are blue pens so pretty? Does anyone want to take a, an actual crack at this? Because blue pen, blue's the best colour. And you can get so much depth in blue pens. It's very very easy on the eyes. I, I'm, I'm inclined to agree. Yeah, I think there's mm. a lot of different kinds of attractive blue. Mm. Whereas I don't think the same can be said of, say, green or yellow. Or red. Yeah. yeah, whereas blue kind of run, runs the gamut. Mm. Um, and blue's very, um, it's... It's a neutral it, colour, relatively yeah. neutral. It's inoffensive. Yeah. Um, it's okay in all sorts of situations. Even like a bright blue pen, I think, would not look out of place at work. You've used your sparkly blue pens at work. Yes, mm. yes. <laughs> and I've had people say, oh my gosh, wow, that's so sparkly and it's so pretty. Yeah. Right. Next question. Sharon, do you want to take this one? Yeah, so this one's from Grumpy Doctor. Uh, what aspect can the industry improve on in the future, or have they hit the point of diminishing return? Um, I'm not sure whether Grumpy Doctor meant um, manufacturing or retail, so maybe we can tackle it from both aspects. I, I thought manufacturing had actually taken an upturn recently. Am I? You think so? Led by which companies? Oh, I'm 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 not sure. I just uh, maybe maybe it's just that I'm paying more. I think he means more in terms of like innovation. Oh, okay. Um, and there's certainly not been a great deal of innovation in the last couple of decades, unless you look at, like, Conid. Well, so Conid, and I'm thinking about um, the revival, re- quote-unquote revival of flex nibs. Oh, yeah. Um, bring back some of the uh, Trying to, phased, out, yeah. um, phased out nibs. So there's a lot more focus in recent years I've seen on nib customization, trying to get an... Um, olden style feel but in terms of uh, have we reached the point of diminishing return I don't think so I think from here what I'm expecting to see is that people are getting smarter and more efficient with how they manufacture pens so that hopefully we can get what we're getting now for a cheaper price in the future and more consistently and more consistently yeah and I think everyone's been saying that the market is growing Mm. right so where there is a market I think there's always the room to innovate William Scott in the spirit of the upcoming Sydney Fountain Pen Show, any hints or tips for first-time FP showgoers? Sharon, you're the only one who's actually been to a pen show. Yeah. Like, yes, yeah, so I'm, prob- <laughs> I'm probably not the best person to ask on this, considering the last time I went to a pen show, 
I was extremely hungover and possibly <laughs> suffering from a case of food poisoning. And I dragged my best friend who had mm, actually had some interest in fountain pens, but probably not all that much. He did work for Lamy once upon a oh, time. Oh, just a disclaimer. Um, Sharon is not saying that you got food poisoning at the Sydney pen show. This is a different pen show. No, this was a completely different yeah. pen show. And it wasn't because of the pen show. It was just <laughs> because I had a big night the night before. And they gave me a cocktail that was slightly custardy in texture. It was mm, chocolate Maybe flavor. slightly off It was milk. called Tom and Jerry. I remember that. I won't drink anything called Tom and Jerry anymore. But I think it's just go into it with an open mind. Be happy to um, talk to people. Most people at pen shows are very happy to, to just talk to you, um, have a look at, around to see what wares there are. There weren't any workshops at the one that I went to, but there was a really large selection of products as well as people who had brought their own pens. So I did see quite a few vintage pens on that particular day. Was that Melbourne? Melbourne, yeah. So I went to the Melbourne Pen Show. I won't say how many years ago, but a couple of years ago. I can't remember. So we've been in contact with the organisers of the Sydney Pen Show because we're on the organising committee without going into the details because I'll actually have the organisers hopefully on for an episode very soon, um, just before the actual show. But from insider knowledge, I would say, um, first of all, have some cash with you because not all vendors will be accepting credit cards. Keep up to date with the Facebook and um, their Instagram because that's the main message um distribution points and there's in in the weeks leading up to the show there'll be a lot of announcements and as things get finalized also get there early because i think you'll want to be there a little bit early and see what's around and it's exactly that's i think that's um a general advice and because it's only a one day show there's no second chance you know once it's gone it's gone Oh, also Instagram and Facebook is where the workshops are being announced. So I think the tickets for the workshops will be on sale very soon through those um, points. And there's a pretty good lineup for the Sydney Pen Show workshops. Yeah. So I think Liz Steele mm-hmm. is there doing a watercolour. Um, so sketching with sketching, fountain pens. Sketching with fountain pens. Um, Moyers, I think, doing... Um, Moya from Moyography. I think so. Um, the calligrapher. He's doing a calligraphy workshop. Um, Sue's doing a work, uh, oh, workshop on... Ah, oh, Sue from... Sue from Demix. Sue Spence. <laughs> yeah, Sue um, Spence is doing one, I think, on Gothic. Mm-hmm. Our own Tav is doing a workshop on um, general pen um, maintenance, I think, yeah. and tips to um, just easy fixes and I think there's also a workshop on bullet, bullet journaling bullet, bullet journaling yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'll have Mark and Sophia hopefully on to talk in detail about that very soon and I think um I'll reiterate Diana's point about coming early so I am door bitch for the first <laughs> couple of uh, hours um and towards the end of the day my reserve of patience is probably getting a little bit low. So <laughs> so my welcoming smiles may be slight grimaces towards the end of the day. But um, Di and I, uh, as she mentioned, we have been quite uh, heavily involved with the pen show in terms of the organising committee. And we will be around on the day as well. We will be at the Pay It Forward forward. in the afternoon. Yeah. So we've got a a couple of donations at the Pay It Forward. Yeah. So drop in and say hi to us. us. We might be wearing name tags. I'm not sure. But we will definitely be wearing, I think, volunteer T-shirts. We can make our own name tags. (laughs) (laughs) Two Asian ladies with glasses. (laughs) 
I may not have glasses oh. on the day. You may have contacts in? I may have contacts in. Uh, from Chanel, can everyone say what their favorite paper and notebooks are and why? And if TR paper, <laughs> which notebook <laughs> formulation, 52 versus 68, Hippo versus Taroko, TR versus Nanami, etc. Happy birthday. I like that, that neurolinguistic <laughs> programming that's yeah, happening. Yeah, so TR paper. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why, Taro- uh, why Hippo is even on this list. The, the, I don't, has anyone gotten those yet? I have not. I don't like the size of it. Yeah. yeah. It's a weird size. It's neither A5, nor like A4, not B5. Not if you listen to um, the Pen Addict podcast, um, I think Brad explained why there's so much of this just under A5 size in the US market. It's because the paper um, mills, they produce it only in A4. only in A4, yeah. exactly. So once they've trimmed off the excess to make it into a notebook, it's always going to be a little bit smaller than A5. And um, to actually get a true A5 size notebook, you need to make it a little bit bigger mm. and then they'd have to ship in the paper from internationally yeah. and that just makes it more expensive. That's I weird. I actually think that my favourite for like easy, uh, as far as like easily gotten and without having to make custom orders for TRP, it's not TR, it's the Midori. Yeah, that's um, mm-hmm. mine. I think the Midori books are my, my go-to. Wait, the Midori... Um, Traveler notebook sized paper or no, the so I'm MD? Using, I've, I'm using the a couple of the uh, anniversary ones mm-hmm. that are out. MD. That's the yeah, MD. Yeah, the MDs. Um, so I've got it's similar to their blank page one, but it's it's just got the header and mm-hmm. and two ones at the top. So there's a little room for for labeling, and their storyboard one as well, mm-hmm. which yeah, is quite like good for for me to just kind of itemize days and ideas and just for little sketches um it's it's not not a an amazing use of space but it's it's a great way to section off um, ideas i think it shows the success of um sharon's um (laughs) influence so i've been a huge fan of the midori md notebooks i like the size of them i like that they're not too thick they're just perfect size i think um i can't remember how many pages is in it but um it's a great size and the paper quality is top-notch. The binding is great. It's a very minimal design. I happen to like the cotton version, so yeah. that's the really bright white paper. I happen to really like bright white paper. As a side cotton. note, if you have a Rhodia or a Leuchtturm A5 cover, it will fit the mm-hmm. Midori A5s perfectly. Um, but the Midori A5, they, they do a goat's leather. Mm. Yep. Um, cover, which is about the softest thing that you will ever yeah. feel. It's so nice. It's um, it's, like it, a, it's a raw um, un, um it's untanned. It's yeah, untanned, untanned leather. Untanned yeah. leather, so it ages very. very it start, starts out looking very pink. Yeah, and then um, it gets um, golden. Yeah, yeah, golden camel mm. as yeah. time goes on. So and if you you know if you lovely. if you're oiling it every every few months, every four to six, <laughs> then it's it's gonna get it's gonna take on that um, color a lot sooner or just use moisturizer and handle it a lot (laughs) so i happen to really like the midori ones but if we're talking tomorrow river paper because again yes there's some uh there's a subtle hint here from (laughs) sanel she's a big she i know she is a big fan of um the tomorrow river paper i prefer the 52 and i prefer the nanami binding over the taroko Toroko, I'm not a fan of the hippo. I just don't like the size of it. I like my notebooks 
A5 or A6. Just mm-hmm. keep it in the A range. Don't like any of the Bs? Uh, I used to be okay with Bs, but most of my notebooks are A5 and it just stacks really nicely in yeah. a bookshelf. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm now driven by whether they fit in my leather cover. Exactly. So it needs, to be, it needs to be that size, which is why the MDs are, are winning out. Yeah, I, I do like the, the slightly um, weightier version of the Tomoe River. I find it it's less attracting for grease on your fingers because mm-hmm. sometimes with the 52, if you touch your, um, the paper, then you can't write over it because it just gets yeah. so slippery and ink won't attach the paper. Um, the 68 is a good weight just for regular writing and it doesn't have as much show through. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't have that much show through. I don't know. I like the feel of Bible paper. If I'm going to go with uh, Tomoe River, it's because I like the feel of Bible paper and I like the feel of, you know, when you grab a notebook by the edges and you just like uh, ruffle the sides? Mm. It doesn't ruffle though. It's, it's it just like, flops in, yeah. the, uh, yeah. in big batches. I like that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> it's so fine that I think yeah. the, the pages sort of, um, they're stuck there's, together. Yeah, there's a bit of stack yeah. there. Exactly. But the other paper that I think deserves a bit of a shout out is the Rhodia Web Notebooks. Mm. I think the the paper in that is very good quality. The Webbies. The Webbies, yeah. And they come now in all different colours. Oh, I love the different colours. Um, but had, we've had some like um, inconsistency paper, with the paper. It's all cream paper. It it's, is, it's very, French. very cream. Yeah. It's very cream. Oh, colored. I thought you said Korean. No, no, no. So <laughs> it's all, it's it all is. cream. You yes. can't get it in like a, 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 like a whiter That's tone, true. which is why I'm not so much on there because yeah. yellow ink is great on white paper, mm. not so much on cream. <laughs> so um, I used to be a very big fan of the Rodeo Web Notebooks, um, but uh, because, yeah, same, same deal with me, I like bright white paper. Um, the cream colour just wasn't catering to my needs. So I think uh, the remainder of my web notebook collection will be at the Sydney Pen Show. So I bought a bunch of webbies in different colours about a year ago, and just to see what the covers, like the colours, look like because they're not available locally. So I got them from Overjoyed, like half a dozen of them from Overjoyed, mm. and um, the colours I didn't like. I gave them away, yep. and I think I, um, the people who used them reported a bit of inconsistency with I the got, paper. I got one of those from you, yeah. the, the yellow one, mm-hmm. um, which thank you for. Um, but, yeah, uh, I think it did not respond well to heavily saturated inks. Mm. Uh, was that Noodlers? And uh, Yamabuto. Okay. Yamabuto was pretty much unusable on that, unless it was in, like, the the quickest of swipes like if i spent any time mm-hmm. um if it got to magenta and not pink was it, it just bleeding or? it feathered a lot, feathered ah. a lot. I, i'm not so I, i'm not so concerned with bleeding because i tend to only use one side of the paper um, sheet of paper yeah but yeah it was it was feathering quite a bit i think there's quite a bit of inconsistency especially with the colored versions mm-hmm. i think they're probably more consistent with the paper in the black webbies yeah. the black and the orange black and the orange yeah the original ones so a little bit of room to improve, but generally good. I'd love to hear you all answer the desert island pen and ink question. Oh, um, this is from Nico B. Yep. Amber A23 and Sukiya. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't, I don't really need to think too hard about mine. What's Sukiya look like? Sukiya's, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty similar to the uh, Diamond Oh, Tsukyo, yeah. 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 
It's the real, real dark, um, and it sh and it actually um, sheens red. Yeah, it does. Bit. Yeah, that was my very first Hiroshizuku ink. I think it was maybe my first or second, and it's still one of my favorites. I don't use much blue black anymore, but what's your desert island pen and ink? No, I was hoping you'd go. <laughs> oh, um, okay. Well, I think I've taken a photo of this one. If I had to use only one. It would probably, I, w I want to say that it's going to be like a plunger or um, a vacuum pen, but I think if you are on a desert island, you probably want something that's fairly easy to clean and fill up. So um, I'm okay with saying my ST DuPont Olympio Vertigo, the extra large version, and the ink will probably just be Kiwakuro. Um, <laughs> it's, it's what's always ink. Are we assuming you have a little shack on the island? Is it like... Is it one of those like ten square meters desert islands, or is it like a Gilligan <laughs> situation where you have? You have I think it, I need a shack at least. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, what's the point of having the pen? And it doubles up as a weapon if I really need it. It's very daggery. Um, okay, so mine would probably be a Pelican, and more specifically the Pelican M450, which is a tortoise shell finish with a vermeil cap so it's like the sterling silver with gold plate on top um it's a green tortoise finish yeah very pretty very easy to clean that was discontinued wasn't it ages ago yeah ages ago i love that pen that's probably my favorite um pelican but yeah it's got great ink capacity easy to clean and has barter value in case i needed to get <laughs> off the desk <laughs> and in terms of ink aurora blue next one from randy I have a few pens that are eyedropper filled. Some of them have burped, as you would expect. I've recently purchased the Opus 88 Colero and the Demonstrator pens. These have the Japanese system to prevent burping. Can you explain how this is supposed to work and what I should do with it? The Colero hasn't burped yet, but I'm pretty much just leaving the piston open. Thanks. Okay. Um, thanks for the question, Randy. I... I was a little bit um, stumped by this question because none of us have actually used the Coloro or any of the Opus 88s yet. Um, they only, I think, uh, moved into the Australian market fairly recently and we haven't had the opportunity to try one. So I reached out to Renee from Pen Classics New Zealand um, who stocks the Coloro and the Opus 88 pens on his um, website and he got back to me with this uh, this very detailed and comprehensive explanation of how the system works, um, including diagrams and photographs. And I will have this linked in the show notes. But in summation, I think what you need to distinguish is there's the eyedropper pen, and then you fill it with an actual eyedropper. And it works same as most eyedroppers in the sense that you, you unscrew the section to open up the pen and then you put the ink into the barrel of the pen and that's what makes it an eyedropper. What confuses people is that this eyedropper also has a plunger. And I think what I've worked out from Renee's diagrams and his explanation is that the plunger doesn't work as a plunger does in most other pens. The it plunger moving up and down the chain. Exactly. It's not used to suck ink into the pen. Mm -hmm. So the plunger, it has an end cap. Um, you unscrew this end cap and then you can pull out the plunger and that creates room in the barrel for the ink. Yeah. But the plunger is only there to control the flow of the ink. So it, it should not burp 
if you use the plunger properly. Um, and Renee advises that when you're writing, you should unscrew the end cap um, so that the ink will flow a little bit better. Yeah. And when you're not writing or if you're traveling on a plane, then um, just tighten the end cap and that yeah. will seal the ink from going into the nib. I don't know anyone who has experienced any burping with this type of eyedropper, but I'd be happy to hear from listeners if they've um, had any trouble with it. Renee says he's been using it for a couple of weeks and he's had no issue with it. And um, I think a couple of other people on FPO have shown their use of it. And I don't think there's been any issue with that too. But I have to admit, I haven't had a lot of experience with eyedroppers. So uh, do, you, do either of you guys? Not not with the ones with the, the chamber. I... I droppered a, uh, a Franklin Kristoff, and I was getting burping, um, but I also kind of run around everywhere with my pens, like I chuck them in my breast pocket, or mm. like I throw them around in my bag. And the Franklin Kristoff, it's it's quite a big barrel, right? Yep. Yeah, because I I've um, I droppered smaller pens. I've I droppered a um, a Sailor Junior Profit, and that's like a little pocket sized pen. And I think um, when the chamber is slightly smaller, you don't get as much trouble with the burping it's um the very large eyedroppers like the denitrios where you really do need some help from this japanese eyedropper system to stop it from burping mm. i think the, the idea is that with a bigger chamber there's more air to displace exactly. ink right uh, well thank you renee for um providing that information which we will make available to all of you uh, next one do you want to take this over diana um okay next question is from hey hey hello on instagram they write, what is your favorite pen brand and why is it Pilot? <laughs> kidding, kidding. Would love to hear the group go around and pick for each person an answer to what pen best uh, describes this person. Not what pen they love the most or are they grail pens or something, but what pen best embodies the person. Keep it up, guys. Looking forward to many more episodes in the future. Thank you, Hey Hey Hello. I'm assuming um, that they mean that we answer for each other host on the podcast um, what you think describes them best. So <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't prepared that. <laughs> so I think you might actually be your favorite pens. Um, I, I was giving this a little bit of thought. And I think this sparkly sailor realos are actually like a great fit. Like no, no, no. no. I, I, I actually thought about you, Chuck. Okay. So I think what pen describes you best would be a custom 823 but so it's um, an H23 that is translucent and a demo, but it would be the bright yellow color of your Ojiva vodka lemon. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so a bright yellow 823. That would be your ideal pen. <laughs> you know, I like, I like this. I like this idea a lot. Yeah. And yeah. for Sharon, I was thinking of like a Nakaya Piccolo with that chink and palm um, design in bright colors. But with a Macchio converter, because you're classy outside and in. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I thank think you. my fallback, my fallback was also was also um, a piccolo with Rudden. For that, that was like my. It was either the sailor or that for you. Mm. Oh. Yeah. oh, thanks, guys. I thought for Chuck, um, probably a safari, mm -hmm. like the yellow safari, yep. because he's always sunny. And he tolerates being tossed around a little bit. <laughs> I'm pretentious. By the way, yeah. which, which, which relates to the single question earlier. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but is very durable and always bounces back. And very, very hard to break. 
So, girls, you may want to try it. At <laughs> um, and then for dye, I was actually thinking of the the St. Dupont Phoenix, but not the super elaborate mm. one. But uh, the one with some, stardust in it. <laughs> the one with stardust in it. The she happens to actually own this pen. It's very um, very fitting for her. Um, it's very elegant, very understated, but it has a lot of substance behind it. Could also be used as a weapon. Could also be used as a mm-hmm. weapon as well. But yeah, I, if you were to if you were to pick a pen for yourselves, though, what pen do you best? Oh, I, I'm, I've just got I've just got one for dye before we do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so the one I thought of for dye was a Nakaya, and it wasn't so much the body, but it was the finish, and it's that. Um, it's that Arushi finish where the pictures become brighter with. Age. Tamenuri. The yeah, the Tamenuri ones, um, and there's like a bamboo kind oh. of a oh. for the for the long rider. But it was more that the idea that uh, the more time you spend with that, the more detail starts to come through. Oh, thanks, Chuck. Yeah, I I, I definitely um, I think we've I've learned a lot about dye over the past year, which was not initially available. Um, which pen I would pick for myself. Oh, you guys go first. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, I'm going to give this some... Thought. Best in bodies. Me. I have no idea. It's too hard. Mine is the one that I've literally got right Your here. desert island pen. <laughs> Not my desert island oh, like, pen. It's the white this, honey. It's a pelican, pelican white original. honey. White tortoise. I break very easily. I also <laughs> stain very easily. <laughs> so I can't just let things... Uh, flick off me sometimes. I mull over it a little bit and I'm influenced easily by other people. <laughs> Very easily. Yes. I, well, I, w- I would say that it's funny that you mentioned that because the the white uh, tortoise started the other tortoises, didn't it? The, uh, no, brown no? tortoise was one of the originals, oh, actually. Okay. The white tortoise was the first time that they did a white acrylic finish. And also it's a small pen, so I'm short. It's a little pen as well. And I'm also pasty because I never see the sun. So it's very fitting. There's, there's a lot of thought. I I don't want to pick the eight two three again. <laughs> I, think, I think it might be that. I think like it, it is definitely my my preferred. I have joked with uh, Max before that I'm the Lamy two thousand of people, but I I think uh, if we take the Amber eight two three, I am. I am. Uh, it's definitely your signature. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, it's it's long, it's brown, and, uh, <laughs> it's very popular. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's, uh, I, I think you have great capacity. Yeah, yeah. Um, and not uh, not a not a whole lot of basic manufacturing problems, though. We'll crack, but we'll stay together. <laughs> Maybe you should work that one yeah, a little bit more. I've, I've, the press release needs work. <laughs> <laughs> but what have you picked for yourself, Ty? I don't know. Um, I kind of want to pick my favourite, which is like the Kakuno. <laughs> you can't pick a Kakuno. We can't. We can't duplicate, triplicate, quadruplicate you. Correct. Maybe like one of the Bumbox Kakunos, which are more cheerful and rare to get. And I kind of want one of those Bumbox Kakunos. Those are the Twisby Ecos. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've seen like Bumbuck special. Oh no! Okay, no, definitely not an eco. What a five forty. <laughs> I guess the easiest one to say would just be my signature Dupont. But that's has Hannibal Lecter. 
I know. Um, it's, connotations to it. Yes, think. but that's who I want to be inside. Yeah, like, I think that's an inaccurate connotation. <laughs> like I'm slightly standoffish and intimidating to start with, but, you know, I warm to people and other people warm to me, hopefully. And you don't eat them for dinner. Um, I've thought about it. Only if they deserve it. Only if you're rude. So, (laughs) (laughs) let's go to Platypus Around the World. Thank you for your fantastic podcast. Yours is the most well-rounded and enjoyable conversation on pens I've heard. I don't know if you've already covered this, but is there any pen or brand that surprised you, i.e. your opinion changed over time? I ask this because I got into modern Parker Dual Folds five years into it and had dismissed the brand as boring previously. Now they are my favorite pens, and I think they have some of the best nibs. Thank you again. This will be our last uh, question for the day, but um, I think I have had some changing um, opinions of, of pens as, as time has gone on. Um, I think our opinions are more likely to go down than maybe go up. Well, that's my case. I, I tend to give... That, yeah, because I tend to give um, brands the benefit of the doubt to start with, mm-hmm. and then when they repeatedly fail, then, yeah. you know. Also boo. in this industry, like, everything is presented as, like, grand. Mm. And the only brands that really are like, hey, we're hard-wearing, we're no-nonsense. Pilot. Uh, <laughs> uh, Pilot, uh, Twisby, mm. maybe uh, Caveco. Like, those those are the ones that are, like, like we're, we're, we're coming in and giving you everything you need and without any... Un- hugely unnecessary flourish mm-hmm. um, and those are the ones that have the potential to go up mm-hmm. but if it's presented as a luxury item then it has a lot more potential to go down so probably not a very recent thing but when i was towards the beginning of my fountain pen journey collection whatever you want to call it i was very anti-sailor would you believe that <gasps> i was very anti-sailor no, i was just going to comment on this i didn't have a great uh, I could Why is that? So I thought they were a knockoff Mont Blancs, yeah. the 1911L. Oh, okay. And I've done a comparison of their maroon and their black 1911Ls, the profit um, rounded cigar ends, next to a next to the Mont Blanc 146 and the 146R, which are the burgundy ones. Mm-hmm. There are many things which are common to mm-hmm. the both of them. So when I first started collecting fountain pens, I didn't buy my first Sailor until, but I want to say maybe even five or six years into collecting because I just thought, no, nah, these are knockoff Mont Blancs. I may as well get a Mont Blanc instead. And I thought that there, it wasn't so much an inspired by Mont Blanc. I thought they were just direct ripoffs. Yes. Yeah, so. and, for, and for most of us. Visconti. It makes a big noise in the, um, in the community. There's a lot of people who you know, are really fanatical about the Homo sapiens and Viscontis in general, and they have a lot of fans, big-name fans. It's kind of disappointing to find out all the little problems that people have with them. I've had kind of an up-and-down on Lamy since starting. So I started with them, so I had a like, real high opinion, and then came around to like a lot of other designs, which are like a, a lot more interesting, seem to be a lot more innovative. And then I've come back around and be like, no, you guys do... The thing you do, and you do it really well, mm. and that's all you've needed to do. Mm. As long as we're not talking Emporium, then I'm, I'm having a great time. <laughs> the Emporiums are actually a re-release. They used to, um, they used to be a pen that the uh, that Lamy did called, I think it was called the Persona. Yep. And it was the OG Emporium. Look very similar. It, the two are virtually the same mm. pen, Isn't but with the, different pins. The bending is slightly. 
So the one's mix vertical, are one's different. horizontal, or is it? Am uh, I getting that one? Can't call actually, yeah. but they had the same type of clip. Okay. Um, Thank you to everyone who um, sent in a question. Yeah, like uh, lots of information. We normally don't get asked a lot about us, uh, but uh, we've given <laughs> you a little bit more information, uh, including what our uh, spirit pens would be, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, and if you um, if you missed out this time, then we take questions just around the year. We just don't normally do a whole episode of questions because um, we like to focus on one particular topic generally. But we'll always get to your questions eventually so don't be afraid to send them in which takes us to our recommendations section this is where our hosts recommend something that they like which doesn't have to be stationary related can i go first uh do i want to go first oh yeah go first or do you want to go first you can go first uh i am going to recommend uh boot company and the company is viberg uh they are canadian made boots uh they have been around since 1931 um, I have recently got a pair, and I had a really troubling moment when I... Are you wearing them These now? are the ones right now. Okay. Um, they are in uh, what is called Color 8 uh, Chrome XL, which is a leather that takes uh, 89 days to tan to this stiff. color. Uh, they They are still, but uh, and Chrome XL is a, is a very hard-wearing, um, in the case of the company that uses this, it's a horse leather, mm-hmm. uh, uh, oh, okay. in that it is... It'll take a while to wear in, uh, but it is quite soft once worn in, um, and it ages really well. But the company itself, I'm really happy with. There's like literally no, not one problem with this pair of boots. Uh, and well, the the only problem being how much that I paid for them, and the fact that as soon as I put them on, I immediately thought, oh, I'm going to need another pair. Uh, so. This being the anniversary episode, if you want to uh, treat yourself or your significant other to a uh, a pair of boots uh, while you're listening to us for 24 hours straight. A lifetime <laughs> pair of boots. Uh, you know, it's supremely well made. They've been around since uh, 1931. They know what they're doing. They're talked about with immense respect in uh, the foot uh, wear and boot making. Viberg? Viberg. Viberg. I recommend a pair of Vibergs. They, they're, they're not cheap. I, I don't I don't want to get into I don't want to get into that but they are a we purchase. can discuss offline yeah. they are a purchase uh, but I I can tell you that if you like uh, if you like well made hard wearing durable and stylish things then you're you're going to love these boots okay um, I'm going to recommend a podcast uh, with a very funny name if you love um, the South African actress Charlize Throng. You might want to listen to the podcast called The Theronathon, and it's a podcast about the filmography of Charlize Theron. <laughs> Each episode is about one of her films, but they also do, um, I think, just little things that she's been in. So there's an entire episode about the Dior J'adore perfume ads. <laughs> the hosts are really funny, and even the really trashy stuff that she's been in, they manage to get a lot of laughs out of it because they obviously love her work. And she's been in a lot of really bad films, but she's always good in those films, which is um, a bit of a shame. So it's good um, that she's getting the recognition that she deserves, and it's a lot of fun if you like Shelley's Throne or movies. Okay. Cool. Sharon was prepared. I know she was. I know. I was actually prepared this time around because I'm usually the worst when it comes to recommendations. So in case people didn't know, I'm moving and I've been (laughs) buying furniture. I have no eye when it comes to design or trying to pick furniture, trying to pick uh, design a room. 
I just have no artistic talent to speak of, right? If you want to see me draw something, everything, even my stick figures turn out to be non-quite stick figurey. So I have recently benefited from the services at West Elm who will design your entire house for you. And all they do is they sit you down, they talk you through what you want to do and what type of theme you're going for, what type of feel you're going for for your entire room or house. You can do everything from one room, one space or one wall up to an entire apartment. So I got them to do my entire apartment. It was very painless. It took about five or six hours (laughs) so it was three and a half hours in store and then constant phone back and forth (laughs) with a lovely lady by the name of Lana who was my designer and my favorite purchase out of everything that I ordered was and I can this is my specific recommendation was the Mongolian lamb stool it's very fluffy (laughs) it doubles as an ottoman or as a stool and it it just fits anywhere and it's anyway, it's great. What is the difference between an ottoman and a stool? An ottoman is for your feet. feet. A stool is for your butt. But this yeah. is for both. I've learned something today. <laughs> and it's perfectly soundproof. So if I want to put like equipment on it yes, yes, without yes, bumping exactly. while we're recording. <laughs> exactly. Perfect. Anyway, the Mongolian lamb stool from West Elm. Um, West Elm came from the US originally. So I mm-hmm. think this is available worldwide. And so it's, it's that specific item. Well, West Elm in general, okay, but right. this specific item. If you want to get into detail, I'll link this item yeah. in the okay. show notes. As far as specific items, if you are going Viberg, then I'm going to recommend the service boot in Chrome 8, uh, in Color 8 Chrome XL. Ugh. Uh, I, it, it, it hurts knowing that I'm going to have to pay for one of these. Again? Yeah. How many once-in-a-lifetime boots do you need? Um, well, you should actually have boots in a rotation. If you wear the same oh, okay. boot every day, yeah. uh, then the insole doesn't breathe. Um, and everything is stitched to the insole. Um, mm. and so if the leather in that disintegrates, then boom. So I've seen uh, red wings that were worn every day disintegrate after two to three years. But if they get rotated, then those same boots will last like 40 years. So at least two. <laughs> okay. Well... Thank you very much, Diana. Uh, happy one-year anniversary. Happy one-year anniversary, everyone. Thank you, Sharon. Uh, as always, my name is Chucks Montano. Uh, and until <laughs> next time, listeners, ink well. Future episodes of this podcast can be found at thenibsection.com and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hop onto iTunes, rate us, review us, recommend us to your friends. Want to share your thoughts, suggestions, and feedback? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at thenibsection at gmail.com. You can also comment at us on the Nib Section Facebook page or at the Nib Section on Twitter and Instagram. The Nib Section is the official podcast of Fountain Pens Oceania. Our producers this episode were Diana Dye, Chucks Montano, Sharon Zah. Recording and editing was done by Diana Dye. Special thanks this episode goes to Renee Verste for helping us answer the question on the Opus 88 eyedroppers. Special thanks also to Tavid, Ruben, and Ben for recording the a cappella tag at the intro. Our music was composed by Michael Pierce. Our logo was designed by Will H. Smith with artwork by Melissa Graff. Thank you for listening. <laughs>